0: Good evening and welcome to our worship service here at the Central Church of Christ. The first song we'll sing this evening will be How Great Thou Art.
1: Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how Sings my soul, my sin
0: Father, in prayer, we'll sing Blessed Assurance.
2: Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, how good it is to sing about uh, our story, the fact that, Lord, you have uh, carried out your plan to save us from our sins, to redeem us, to make us pure and white and holy. And, Lord, that you have carried this story, this magnificent plan out through the ages and Lord, that it's still being carried out today. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, uh, through whom we have everything, Lord. Thank you for his life. Thank you for the words that we have that have been written down and recorded. Thank you for all the signs that he did that Lord bolster our faith. Thank you for his death, Lord, uh, that he died for us on our behalf for sin, And Lord, that he rose again, and that because of that, we too can walk in newness of life. Lord, thank you for this story. Thank you for letting us be a part of that. We pray, Lord, that each and every one of us, that you would strengthen us, that wherever we go and whatever we do during our weeks, that we would carry this story with us, that we would share this good news about Jesus with others. And Lord, that we ourselves would transform our lives so that we can be more like Jesus ourselves. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we all have as brothers and sisters to gather, whether it's here in the building or folks joining from online. Lord, thank you for this opportunity as your church to be with each other, to study your word, to sing songs together. And Lord, we pray that our faith, each and every person here, that our faith would be strengthened because of this time that we spend together and with you. Lord, please forgive our sins. Please bless us in every way and in your son's name. Amen.
0: Before our scripture reading and Tim's lesson, let's sing the first two verses of He Leadeth Me. (laughs) Amen. <laughs>
3: scripture reading for this evening comes from James chapter 2. It will be verses 14 through 20. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. That's James 2 verses 14 through 20. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless?
4: Good evening. So glad to be with you tonight. It's such a great opportunity for us to gather here and study God's word together. Um I uh Tim said this morning he wasn't sure if, if people thought I was very excited to uh to preach tonight. He he said uh Tim Haywood's got a lesson uh, for us tonight and for those of you that weren't here this morning, I, he he said right and I, I looked over and I said, "Ah, we'll see what happens." <laughs> so uh but I did have a I I do have a lesson prepared. In fact, last night um I was kind of go, going over it with uh, Amanda, and she said once we got all the way through with it, she said, "You know, though, um, you know, people really enjoy a short lesson on Sunday night." So, <laughs> so, uh, so I did not take her advice. I figured that meant I need to add a little more. So, no, I'm just just kidding. I'm I'm really excited for the opportunity to be with you, though. It's so good to have people in the building again, and. Uh, so I, I appreciate all of you being here. I appreciate Will leading singing tonight. Um, somebody thought you were due for some special kind of punishment because I was on deck to lead singing and preach tonight, and I thought, no, there's just no way I can put you all through that. So uh, Will stepped in and said he would he would, uh, he would, would save you all from having me sing and preach tonight. So I uh, appreciate him doing that. We're going to be in the book of James uh, pretty much all night if you want to Uh, Well, that sounds really bad. Not all night. Uh, For the next uh, 20 minutes or so, we'll be in the book of James. Uh, If you want to be turning there, most of our lesson will come from the book of James. The Italian philosopher Thomas Aquinas once said, To one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. Peter calls people of faith in first in Peter two, verse nine, he calls them peculiar. And we are different, aren't we? We're a little, we're a little strange compared to the world. We're different. The world, the world looks for answers. Christians say, say we have all the answers that we need. God is our answer. His word is our answer. The world looks at issues and says, why can't we figure this out? Christian looks at issues and says, God has this figured out. The world looks at things like injustice, and they look for answers to solve injustice. And people of faith realize that true justice begins with God. Not that that a a person of faith overlooks injustice when it happens, but to the contrary, we show by example the true justice of God our Father. The world looks around for answers when... um, uh, to a time when, when we can overcome death, to where we can, we can fix people to, will there, to where they will never die. And people of faith know that there will be a day when there is no more dying, but not here on earth. Not that we overlook death and not that we don't help to sustain life in every opportunity that we have, but a person of faith understands that to live is Christ and to die is gain. The world doesn't understand, and it never will. But faith has all it needs to understand, and that is God and his word, and that God is in control. And if you're a person of faith tonight, you own a peace that passes uh, the understanding of the world. You own a refuge and a very present help in a time of trouble. You own a place that you can hurry to, a shelter uh, far from the tempest and the storm. Faith is the foundation of our relationship with God. Without faith, Hebrews 11:6 6 says that it is impossible for us to please God. And so when we think about this idea of faith tonight, what I want us to think about is, is what kind of faith, what kind of faith do you have? Um, would you say that, uh, would you describe your faith as, as an active faith? Maybe tonight um, you say, you know, my faith is a struggling faith or it's a, a weak faith. Some people, um, and, and, and maybe me, sometimes have a blind faith in, in uh, sports teams. You know, every year I think UT can win the national championship, and that's a, that may be a blind faith. And that's okay for, for things like that, but, but for spiritual matters, is it okay to have a blind faith? Maybe you feel like you have a very informed faith. Um, I love the little uh, memes and jokes on the Internet uh, that, that people put out there. Um, and there's, there's a lot that kind of follow a similar theme. Uh, I saw one that said, if you aren't covered in mud, did you really go to that outdoor music festival? Um, if you don't buy mouse ears, did you really go to Disney World? If you didn't waste $30 on golf balls, did you really play golf today? And uh, this one's my favorite. If you didn't post a picture of it on social media, did you really go to the gym today? Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of people that love to post their workouts and all these things. But if faith isn't defined by God's word, is it really even faith? We could ask James what kind of faith we should have. Uh, He wrote the epistle of James as an outline for different aspects of faith. And the book of James gives us several examples of, of faith that we need to have. Um, and, uh, and if you're like me, looking at some of these characteristics of faith in the book of James, I see a lot of opportunities for self-improvement, a lot of things that I need to work on in my faith and things that I need to, to do a better job of implementing in my life. And tonight what I want us to do is briefly survey uh, this epistle And asking James, is this even faith? What kind of faith do I need to have, James? And first, I believe James would tell us, if your faith isn't tested, is it even faith? Look at chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Your faith will be put to the test. You know that. Most of you have gone through that test, right? Uh, we live in a world that's filled with temptations and, and struggles and heartaches, and we're put through tests. A faith that Peter says in 1 Peter 1 verse 7 that, that's been refined by fire, and, and and our faith has been made stronger by the struggle. And someone might say, so so you're telling me that, that if my faith hasn't been tested, that I don't have a good faith or, or an acceptable faith? And I'm wondering, and I think James would wonder, if your faith isn't being tested daily, is it really faith? If you can proudly boast that you don't struggle with your faith, maybe it's because you need to struggle with your faith. If you aren't fighting and struggling with Satan and temptation... Maybe it's because you don't fight. Maybe it's because you don't fight with Satan. You just, you just concede. Because he's out there and he's plotting to, to trip you up. And I think sometimes in, in my faith, when I don't struggle, when I don't fight, it's because I've given up. And James says, you need to have a faith that is tested. You need to have a faith that's been through the struggle and it's been through the fight. James says, "If you don't, if your faith isn't tested, is it even faith?" He goes on to say, um, "You have to have a. Fa- if your faith isn't active, is it even faith?" Look at uh, chapter uh, verse twenty-two of chapter one. He says, "Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away." And once forgets what he was like, we've got to be doers and not hearers only. And and, and just like the point before, you know, if you, if if, if your if your faith uh, if your faith is only hearing, is it really just faith? Is it really faith? And the image that he puts up there: someone who can walk up to a mirror and look at it. You remember the the show Happy Days at the beginning of the show, Fonzie goes into the mirror, he looks in the mirror, he pulls out his comb, and he's like, "No, it's great, it's perfect. I don't need anything," and he walks away. But can you imagine walking to that mirror and, and, you're, and you're just a mess and you walk away from it and think, Did I, now, was there something I needed to fix? Was there something I needed to change? That's what James is talking about. That's the image he gives us as someone who looks and sees all the things that need to be changed and just doesn't do anything. He goes on to say in chapter two, verse 14, Randy read for us, what good is it? My brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Kind words don't help someone in need. Talk is cheap, right? Action costs us something. James continues, verse 18, Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And what James is telling us is an inactive faith is a useless faith. Faith that just hears and doesn't do is a useless faith. Faith that sits in a pew or tunes in on YouTube but doesn't act and doesn't wrestle and doesn't struggle and doesn't help and doesn't serve, that's a useless faith. If your faith isn't active, is it even faith? I think James would go on to ask the question, if your faith isn't pure, is it even faith? Verse 27 of chapter 1 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And he continues writing on into chapter 2, verse 1, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and says, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, sit down at my feet. Have you not made then, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Our faith has to be pure. Our faith has to be pure and it has to be just as pure with one person as it is with the next. And especially, especially to those in need. James mentions widows and orphans in chapter one and then continues that same thought into chapter two when he's talking about uh, people who are poor or people in the assembly with with shabby clothing, as he says. Um, I used to travel to Nashville quite a bit for work, and I was there two or three times a month. And and every time uh, that I was there, every Wednesday night I was there, I would go to the same church. And uh, for the most part, I would go in and out. Unnoticed, I had a friend there that I would talk to and, and that was pretty much it. I'd go in go, you know, go to Bible study and, and, and then leave. Um, as a family, we like to travel to Nashville about once a year and stay a weekend in the Opryland Hotel. It's a lot of fun. We enjoy that. And when we do that uh, once a year, we go worship at the same congregation. And when we go in as a family, I feel like a dozen people stop us before we reach the front door. <laughs> and it's, it's a lot different traveling as a single versus traveling as a family. And it's always funny that, that people will stop and say, now, now, have you been here before? And I'll say, yeah, I was here last week or two weeks ago. <laughs> and it'll blow their mind. Uh, but we don't see people the same. And unfortunately, I think sometimes that may be typical uh, in a lot of churches that there are a lot of people that can come and be very invisible to us. The students who come in by themselves, who come in and leave, um, single mothers, single fathers, widows and widowers, there's a lot of invisible people that we have to do a better job of keeping our eyes out for. And let me say this, I've been thinking about this for, for the last couple of weeks, I truly believe there is no better service opportunity in our community right now than to help single mothers. And I think there's no bigger mission field in our community right now than single mothers. And I think there's no better way for the church of, in Johnson city today to have an impact on the church in Johnson city tomorrow than to minister to single mothers and their children. And, uh, in the last, a couple of weeks my eyes have been opened a little more to the to the plight of single mothers in our community and and i just really feel like we we need to be there for these for these ladies and for these children and i believe that that is what james is talking about when he talks about a faith that is pure it's not just some kind of faith club that we get to to share in with people who 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 dress like us and who are in our demographic and who are in our income bracket and our race and our way of thinking, a faith that is pure to every single person we meet. I think James would ask if your faith isn't pure, is it even faith? I think James would also ask if your faith isn't disciplined, is it even faith? Look at James chapter 3 and we'll start at verse 2. He said, We all stumble in many ways. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. When James talks about a disciplined faith, he starts by talking about disciplining our speech. And is there a better place to start when it comes to discipline? Because how many of us (laughs) have really gotten in trouble over the years with our mouths? Uh, When I played basketball in high school, I, I was pretty competitive and I was probably, my competitiveness was probably greater than my ability. And uh, I, uh, I like to trash talk a little bit. Nothing nothing vulgar or profane, but, but hey, you can't guard me, that kind of stuff. I, I grew up watching Michael Jordan, and he was probably the best trash talker in the league. And, and I wanted to be like Mike, so I trash talked too. And I, my coach would warn me, he said, you know, Uh, Your mouth is writing checks that your body can't cash. (laughs) And uh, I think how many times have I gotten myself in trouble writing checks with my mouth that I couldn't cash? How many times have we invited stress and heartaches and struggles into our lives with our mouths, with those bad little mouths? Words like, words like I hate you, Words like, you know, just between you and me, I don't, I don't really like this person. Words like, it's okay, she'll never know. Words like, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. How about words like, charge it. <laughs> Has that ever gotten you in trouble? If we could only dis- discipline ourselves beginning with our tongues we would be so much better off. And that's a part of faith, disciplining ourselves, allowing the word of God to steer us like the bit in the mouth of a horse or the rudder on a ship, letting his words steer us instead of letting our words steer us out of control. Having a faith that is in control of our life instead of having a life that's controlling us. If we don't have a disciplined faith, Do we even have faith? James would also say, if your faith isn't wise, is it even faith? James 3.13 says, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I think as Christians, we need to think about sometimes where do we collect our wisdom? Where do we build our wisdom from? What's driving our thoughts and our actions and everything that we do? Is it, is it meekness? The idea of, you know what? Maybe I could win this argument with you, but for the sake of peace, I'm just gonna back down. You know what, for, for maybe, maybe I could make this happen, but for the sake of peace, I'm, just gonna, I'm going to succumb. Or is it driven by jealousy? You know, I have to be better, I have to be prettier, I have to be richer, I have to be more successful. Is it driven by selfish ambition, as James calls it there? It's all about me, right? Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. Sometimes we need to stop and take a personal inventory because if our lives are driven by selfishness and jealousy, what James says is please stop being false to the truth. That isn't wisdom from above. Selfishness and, and, and jealousy are part of worldly wisdom is what James says, and that makes sense because worldly wisdom says... Uh, don't, don't tell me anything is wrong. Uh, let me be me. Don't tell me there's a standard to live by. Worldly wisdom today is imparted by people like uh, the Kardashians and, and Instagram models and, and politicians and, and marketers who say, you need this and uh, you need to do this and you need to buy this and you need to let me do this. That's what the wisdom of the world says. And what James says is faith that is wise is pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason. Man, wouldn't that be nice in, in the world today? if People were open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's the wisdom of God. That's a faith that is wise. If our faith isn't wise, is it really even faith? James would say, if your faith isn't humble, is it even faith? James 4 verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Verse 13 says, come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Man, sometimes we're really something, aren't we? We're great. We, we can do so good. And I get sucked into that. I I get sucked into that thinking I'm, I'm pretty great. I'm, I'm pretty great person. And, uh, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll have a great week at work and we'll have worked really hard and, and uh, our department's just really killing it. And after, you know, on a Friday as we're leaving, me and the other two guys in there, we'll fist bump. We'll say, man, we really, we really did great. How great are we? And, and, and maybe there's not that much wrong in, in a work setting like that if you've really worked hard and you can leave, you know, satisfied in the work that you've been able to do. But if you start letting that creep into your mind that, man, I'm so good, that can really be dangerous, can it? In Luke chapter 18, we see the Pharisee and the tax collector going to pray, and the tax collector basically prays, God, you're so lucky to have me. I'm so good. How great am I? I can take on anything. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If you aren't, if you're living this, this high life, You know, there's nothing that can take me down. Paul said, get ready. Get ready. It's it's about to happen. How great am I? Uh, I? I can take on anything until we can't, right? Until we find ourselves in those situations that we can't control. And we feel completely helpless and completely worthless. Back in Luke chapter 18, the tax collector had the opposite approach to his prayer Instead of of saying, you are so lucky to have me, his prayer basically says, I'm so lucky to have you. He beat his breast and said, be merciful on me, a sinner. I need you more. I need you more, and I'm nothing without you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. If your faith isn't a humble faith, is it really faith? James says, if your faith isn't patient, Is it even faith? James 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. If your faith isn't patient, is it really faith? The the Hebrews writer tells us that that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We have to be patient and wait to see that unseen. As St. Augustine said, faith is to believe what you do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what you believe. Patience is hard. Patience is hard for all of us, I think, at times, isn't it? Back in the 1970s, there was a study called the Marshmallow Test where five-year-olds were made to sit in front of a marshmallow, and if they could sit for 15 minutes, they would get two marshmallows. But if they ate the one in front of them before the 15 minutes was up, they would only get the one. And we're like that a lot today, aren't we? You know, we conceptually, we understand if we wait, we can get more. But when it's put into practice, man, it's tough. In fact, there's, a, there's an entire industry that's been built on people who can't wait, right? The credit industry, the people that say, I've got to have it now. You know, I can't, I can't wait and save up for a house like my grandparents did. I got to have it today. And I got to have a car today. And I got to have all this other stuff. And you have credit card companies and banks and mortgage companies that are making a whole lot of money on people that can't wait. They're making a whole lot of money on me because we can't wait. We're impatient. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? We have to take what we can take now. And so many times people do that uh, impulsively with earthly things. But unfortunately, a lot of people do that by cashing in on their reward here on earth instead of waiting for, for the imperishable crown that's waiting for them in heaven. The impatient faith says, I'll take my reward today. Give me that marshmallow. But a faith that's patient steadfastly waits to see what we believe, to see the substance of what we have hoped for and have not yet seen. If your faith isn't patient, is it even faith? Finally, James says, if your faith isn't prayerful, is it even faith? James 5.13 says, uh, and Tim uh, mentioned this this morning, if any among you are suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praises. Anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. I, I, I love this passage. James is saying there, there's always a reason to pray. Are you, are you suffering? Pray. Are you happy? Pray. Are you sick? Pray. Verse 6, he says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Um, I'll tell tell an embarrassing story about 13-year-old Tim Haywood. Um, And uh, there's people in the room that probably know this story, actually. Um, But when I was about 13 years old, I went to High Rock Bible Camp. And I was proud as punch because I came home with a girlfriend. I mean, I was 13 years old and ready to, to take on the world. And, uh, but, you know, I was 13, so I couldn't drive. And, uh, and, and the girl lived in Tennessee, and I lived in uh, Virginia. And uh, back then, that meant something called long-distance calls. And, uh, of course, kids today have no idea what long-distance calls are all about. But back then, my parents knew what they were, and so I couldn't call. We couldn't communicate. Uh, so that meant that I never, I never uh, got to see or call or, or talk to this very serious 13-year-old girlfriend of mine. And um, so eventually, it got to the point where I really didn't even think about her at all until the fall retreat at High Rock. And I saw her and uh, not only did I see her but my her dad was my camp counselor and uh, he gave a cabin devotional one night and he asked the question if we say we're someone's friend but we never talk to them are we really their friend and he kind of gave me one of these looks as he was uh, asking that question in the uh, in the bible study that night and I felt about that big because I knew he was saying, "Why haven't you called my daughter, you piece of trash?" Uh, his point was valid, though. We can't say that we have a relationship with someone that we never converse with, that we never talk to, and we can't say that we have faith in God. We can't say we have a relationship with God if we don't talk to Him. Maybe you say, "Well, I've got nothing to say." Well, no. That's why James. That's why James says there's always a reason. To talk to God. If you're happy. If you're sad. If, if, you, if there's someone you know who is sick. Pray. There's, there's always a reason to talk to God. How can we say that we have faith in God. If we never talk to him. If your faith isn't a prayerful faith. Is it even faith? Is your faith even faith? If, if it's not a tested faith. If it's not an active faith. If it's not a pure faith. A disciplined faith. If it's not a wise faith. A humble faith a patient faith, or prayerful faith, maybe what we need tonight is a stronger faith. And that's okay, because I think every one of us in this room would agree that we need stronger faith. We all need to add to our faith. That's what Peter says in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. He says, So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world, because a sinful desire, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. And then Peter goes on with a list of different things to supplement your faith with. And how do we increase our faith? How do we make our faith stronger and build our faith? Through the Word of God. Romans ten seventeen: faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if tonight you're like me thinking that, man, there's so many ways uh, that, that my faith isn't even faith. Sometimes we need to get in the word. We need to get in the word. And that's how we will grow our faith by hearing God speak to us through his word and through his inspired word, growing our faith and making it stronger than it ever was before. And if you aren't a Christian and you haven't started your journey of faith, the recipe is the same. Hear the word of God. Hear the words that God is speaking to you through his word. Open the Bible and read it, and we will be happy to study that with you. Um, If you want to come forward in just a moment, or if you want to email one of the addresses that you will be seeing on the screen, we'd love to study that with you and show you what God is saying through his word. Hear God's word and believe it. Believe it, repent of, of living for self and start living for God. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is God's son, And be buried with him in baptism to wash away your sins, be raised to walk in newness of life. And if you need prayers for a faith that has grown cold, weakened by this mean old world, beaten by Satan and all his arrows, we want to pray with you and we want to pray for you. Whatever your need is tonight, please come as together we stand and sing.
0: Please be seated. As we shift our focus to the Lord's Supper, we'll sing 10,000 Angels. And for this hymn, we'll sing uh, verses 1, 2, and 4 before we sing the chorus. So we'll only be singing the chorus once. <clears throat> We'll now take this opportunity to observe the Lord's Supper. If you're planning to participate, please make your communion sets ready. from the King James version in the book of Luke as we bring our minds in from the world in preparation Luke 22:19 and he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave unto them saying This is my body which is given for you This do in remembrance of me Let us pray Father, and our God, as we come before you just now, we're humbled, dear God, when we let our minds go back to the cross and to Calvary to reflect, dear God, on what's been done on our behalf so that our souls might be secured, that our lives here might be secured, dear God, that great sacrifice which affords us salvation, not only in the after while, but today. We pray, dear God, that we would partake of this in a manner that is well-pleasing unto you, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen you <laughs> Continue reading in Luke 22 with verse 20. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Let us pray. Dear God, as we continue in thanks, we are grateful for the opportunity to come again, dear God, into your presence through Christ, dear God and participate in a doctrinal worship, dear God, which includes the Lord's Supper. We're thankful, dear God, for that precious blood that made us clean and continues to keep us clean, dear God, if we walk in your light. Pray, dear God, this will be done in a manner acceptable in Christ's name. Amen. And now this being a convenient time, let's give thanks for the offerings, for the work at this place. Let us pray. Father and our God, as we continue in thanks, we're mindful, dear God, of the physical blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Ways, dear God, that we can support your work, feed our families, dear God. We're thankful for those opportunities that you have provided for us. We pray your blessings upon the gifts and upon the givers We ask your God for your blessings upon the distribution of these funds that many good works will be accomplished and realized for the advancement of your kingdom. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
5: If we could, let's close out our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, you have blessed us today with two wonderful opportunities to, to reflect on your word. And Lord, you blessed us with the sunshine. And God, uh, we just, we don't deserve any of this, but yet you give it to us. And God, as we reflect upon these lessons about prayer, as we reflect upon these lessons about faith, help us to be better at both help us to have strong prayer lives help us to be people of faith help us to kind of have the kind of prayer life that jesus had help us to have the kind of faith that jesus had that no matter what comes against us we can stand because we know that you're holding us up and lord as we go into this next week help us to stand for what's right help us to stand for what's good Help us to stand for what you stand for, Lord. And it's your name I pray. Amen. Uh, No announcements tonight except for if you need communion supplies, uh, reach out to the church office and we will help you with that. Y'all have a blessed week. See you then.